Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. All right, good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus, um, especially when we can do it on the good days in fall where we're not filled with freezing temperatures and don't yet have to rake a bunch of leaves. Uh, but just a couple of reminders of upcoming events. Uh, first and foremost, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday is our fall feast. Uh, bring your favorite fall dish to share. Feel free to invite your family and friends. And um, even if they're like, hey, I don't want to come to the church, just invite them to come hang out for food afterwards. Uh, everyone is welcome. And just a reminder also, uh, we're still collecting diapers for the Mon Valley Diaper Pantry. So uh, if you are able to or willing to, next time you're out and about shopping, um, grab a pack of diapers, uh, bring them in, and we bring those over to the Mon Valley Diaper Pantry in Elizabeth. And once a month, they will give those out uh, to families in need. And uh, before we pray for the offering, I wanted to share... Uh, something because I've realized the economy is crazy right now. The cost of everything is like through the roof. And in some conversations with some pastors, um, I've heard them say, and I'm not judging them, but I've heard them say, yes, you have to tell your congregation members tithe more, which is not what the Bible says, right? Bible doesn't say when times get hard, you have to give more money to the church. What the Bible actually says, uh, I'm going to share this as the uh, band comes up, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This does not say when a church needs more, you give more. What this says is, you give based on what you have decided in your heart to give. If because of your financial situation, you've decided, hey, I can only give a dollar this month, as long as you're giving it with a cheerful heart, then God says, amen. If you're one of those people, and I don't know that we have any in here, love to have some, who can give a million dollars a month. If you're giving it with a cheerful heart, God says, amen. If you're one of those people that was like, hey, you know what? Times are really hard, lost my job. I can't give for the next couple of months. As long as you're feeling comfortable with, hey, I've got to get my family in order, God says amen. The only thing that God asks of us is that we don't give reluctantly, like, oh, man, i got to give money to the church again, or we don't give out of compulsion, which hopefully I have never made anyone feel like that because that's not how we roll here. That is not our goal. We want people to give based on what God tells them to give. If you feel like you can't, that's okay because your priority is always and should always be taking care of your family. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand uh, and we're going to pray for the offering. God, we're so grateful that regardless of what our financial status is, that you still love us. We're so grateful that no matter what our 
uh, medical or, or home or job situation is, you still love us. We are so grateful that you don't love us or judge us based on what we are able to give. You love us just because you love us, just because you're that good to us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated. But don't feel rushed. If you're still saying hi to someone, feel free to greet them and take the time. Uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've been walking through this series for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Uh, and this morning, we're going to uh, look at some portions of the book of Ephesians and other passages where the Apostle Paul gets a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term, personal. Uh, he shares some personal information about himself. Uh, he is going to, as he talks to the people in Ephesians, he's going to talk to them about... Um, wait, before you sit down, Andrew, can you hit that red button right there on the camera? Hit the red dot. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, but uh, he's going to talk to some people about um, some of their personal stuff. He's going to talk to them about the way they should interact with coworkers. He's going to talk about the way they should you know, interact with husbands and wives in their marriage. He's going to talk about a lot of stuff in their personal life. So before he shares, you know, here's what you guys should do in your personal life, uh, he's going to jump in and talk a little bit about his personal life, and he's going to share some personal stuff. And if you look throughout a lot of the letters of the Bible, he does that. He shares some personal stuff. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to sharing personal information, there's like a spectrum, right? Because some people or on this end of the spectrum, you don't like to share anything personal. You don't tell people when your birthday is. You don't tell people when you need help. You just, you only share your personal stuff with the per people in your personal life, and that's okay, right? Some of you have like a uh, Facebook account, and the only thing on it are other people saying happy birthday for the last 17 years because you don't share anything. And it's okay. That's just the way some people are. Uh, they don't like to share a lot of stuff. I'm probably in the middle of the spectrum, which some of you may find hard to believe, but I share a lot of stuff. I share like pictures, videos, songs, dances, stuff, all kind of stuff. I like to share a lot. I share stuff about God. I share stuff that's funny. I share stuff that makes some people mad. I don't care because it's my stuff, right? But I just share a lot of stuff. Now, believe it or not, I'm in the middle of the spectrum. I mean, it starts over here with the people who don't like to share anything. In the middle, me, I share all kind of stuff. And then on the other end of the spectrum are people who share, like, so much information that they, they just overshare. Like, they will share, and this, this is true, and some of you know people like this. They will share, hey, here's a picture of me getting ready for work in the morning. Here's a picture of me having my coffee in the morning. Here's a picture of me brushing my teeth. If you do not believe me, go to YouTube and type in makeup, and you will see people just standing there, putting on makeup, sharing it, and they have like thousands of other people like, oh, how do you do that? 
I don't know why. But then they'll share, here's me on my way to work. Then they will share, here's me sitting on a train. Then they will share, here's me doing no work because I'm uploading all the pictures I took. Then they'll share, here's me going home. Then they'll share a picture of, I just got home. Here's my dog. Here's a picture of me getting my dog's dinner ready. Here's a picture of my dog's dinner. Here's a picture of my dinner. Here's a picture of me going to sleep. And here's a picture of me planning all the things I'm going to share tomorrow. And, and it's too much, right? There's, 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 there's a certain balance. Now, again, nothing wrong with those people, right? That's just the way they are. Uh, but feel free to unfollow because there's, you know, too much, too much. Uh, so over here, some people, I don't want to share anything. In the middle, people who share a lot of stuff, and then the, the over-sharers who just share so much stuff that you're like, do you not have a job? Like, how do you work? But here's the thing. There's a balance that, depending on who you are, we can find. Because sometimes, sometimes, right, when we um, share some information from our lives, it can help other people with their lives. Even, even the people that are over here that don't like to share all their personal stuff, right? You don't have to tell everyone on the planet that for the last two months, you've had difficulty paying your rent. You don't have to tell everybody that. No one else needs to know that. But it might help someone if somewhere down the road, you let people know that, yeah, I've had financial difficulties in the past, but thank God he saw me through it. You don't have to tell everyone uh, when you're going into the hospital for some medical thing or whatever, uh, you can ask your church family to pray for you, ask other people to pray for you. You don't have to let the whole world know. But it might be helpful to someone if you share that, hey, I had this big medical crisis, but thank God he saw me through it. Because sometimes you can find that balance of here's something I can share that's going to help someone else overcome the struggles that they've been through in their life. And this is what, this is what uh, the Apostle Paul is going to do in his letter. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, right? So he's going to share bits and pieces of his motivation, what drives him to share the gospel. He's going to share uh, some things that uh, might be a little bit disturbing, because some of us, when we share stuff from our past, people are like, really, you used to be like that? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just going to own it. This is what I used to be like, but I'm also going to own, thank God, this is what he has made me into now, Amen. right? So uh, this is what he's going to do. Turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 3, and in chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 1, this is what he says, for this reason, and I said, whenever you see something like for this reason, you go back and look before, and before, he's sharing the reason that he's about to share all this is because of the things he said before, that he realizes that God wants all people to be united in him, and that we're no longer aliens or foreign citizens, that we're united in him. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, because he's in, literally in prison at the time he's writing this. And he says, for the sake of you Gentiles. Gentiles is a word that means pretty much anyone on the planet who isn't Jewish, which is all the non-Jewish people, right? So it includes everyone. And he says, this is why I'm in, this, uh, in prison, for the sake of you Gentiles. And he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
He says that is the mystery, and he uses that word like six or seven times, mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. And here's the key. He says, in reading this, what you're about to read then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. He's telling them, hey, when you read this letter, when you're done, you're going to understand my perspective. I'm going to share some stuff with you, what drives me and why I'm so passionate about it. He says, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men and other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So he says, for, for, for all human history, Nobody knew why did God create humanity. Nobody knew why did God do what he does. And he says, well, God has revealed it through the prophets who pointed to Jesus and through the apostles who testified about Jesus. He says this mystery, here's the mystery, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. He says, here's the mystery. This is, this is the mystery that everyone, why did God create humanity? Why does God do all this? Here's the answer. Here's the mystery. He says, the mystery is for Israel, which are the people of God, who God said called and separated from everyone on the planet. Uh, he says for, it's for Israel. And then the Gentiles, that is pretty much everyone else to be united in Christ forever through the gospel. So no matter who you look at, you can look at Israel, you can look at Gentiles, you can look at Buddhists, you can look at Mormons, you can look at Hispanics, Asians, Africans, doesn't matter what nationality, what culture. He wants everyone to be united in Christ forever, right? And then drop down to verse 7. Verse 7, he says, this is Paul saying, I became a servant, and some translations use the word slave, but it's the word bond servant. Like, I did this, I entered into this of my own free will. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. Again, that grace is the, just the favor of God. He said, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me, and here's the grace, here's, here's his mission, here's what drives him, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain. This is why we're doing this, and at the end, we'll do it like Sesame Street, plain English. He says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So he says, hey, here's what's driving me to do this. God gave me this grace, and he said, you've heard about this grace. I've written about it before, and if you haven't heard about it, I'm going to show you a little bit of it now because uh, the author of the book of Acts, Luke, talks about it. Uh, where Paul shares his testimony, and in many other letters that Paul wrote, he shares a little bit of this testimony. So here, Paul is on his way to prison, where he writes this letter to the Ephesians, but he's on his way to prison. Uh, he's being held, and he's appearing before King Agrippa in order to plead his defense, like to get out of prison. And he says, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. He says, the Jewish people all know the way I lived, excuse me, ever since I was a child. 
from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conformed to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. So he says, everybody that knows me knows this is how I used to be. I was a Pharisee. I, was, I, I, I did everything that the Jews asked of. I obeyed all the 600, I think, 13 or whatever commandments of the law to the fullest. And he goes on and he says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So he said, hey, based on my religious upbringing, I thought I was supposed to be putting all of these people in jail. And if there was a trial saying, do they deserve death? He was like, off with their head, off with it. They're, they're, they're done. So this is how he used to be. This is the life he used to live. And again, he owns it. He doesn't try to hide it. He owns it, that this is what he used to do. But then he says, many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. When he says I tried to force them to blaspheme, he would give them an option because now, they would say that, no, Jesus, you know, is Lord. And he would say, well, here's the thing. You're either going to die unless you say Jesus is not Lord, unless you deny your relationship with Christ, because that's what blasphemy was. It was saying that God didn't exist or saying something against God or worshiping some other God. So he would say, hey, you deny Christ, and I'll let you go. But if you claim to worship him, then you're going to jail or you're losing your life. But then on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, which was a language spoken at that time, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. So again, he was persecuting Christians. Jesus saw it as you're persecuting me. You're persecuting my body, right? So now get up. This is Jesus speaking. Now get up, stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. So when we read in some of the other letters that Paul writes, where like in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I now give to you what Jesus gave to me firsthand, and he talks about communion and, and the bread and the juice, uh, it wasn't that. He read it somewhere. Just as he wrote, uh, Jesus said, you have seen me, and you're going to see me again. There were other revelations of Jesus to him. But look at this. Jesus says, I will rescue you from your own people. And from the Gentiles, I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may see, receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He says, hey, you're not done. I'm going to use you now and I'm going to send you to your friends, to your family members, to your co-workers, and to the people that you used to persecute. I'm going to send you to them so that you can tell them about me. 
So Paul says, this is why I'm so passionate about this. This is why I'm so vested uh, in sharing the gospel. And he also says that when God did this, called him, but also revealed this mystery to everyone, in verse 10, back in Ephesians, he says, his intent, God's intent in doing this and revealing this mystery, his intent was that now through the church, Underline that, circle it, highlight it, whatever you do, through the church, through the body of Christ, no longer through the prophets and apostles, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The church is supposed to be, this is, this is what we're supposed to be when we gather. The church is a living testimony of God's purpose, and here's God's purpose, that all humanity be united in him and in his kingdom for Jesus. This is, this is what the church is supposed to show to the world. This is what the church is supposed to testify to the world. This is why the body of Christ exists. We're not here to usher in political change. We're not here to usher in social reform. When the body of Christ is at its best, those things will occur, but that's not why we're here. We're here to be a living testimony to the world, to the people on earth, to every angel in heaven, to every demon that exists, that our God loves us and he is that good. Here's the problem, though. We can't, <clears throat> excuse me, we can't be a living testimony if we're not willing to testify or share about what God has done for us. We can't be the body of Christ testifying to how good God is if we're not willing to share, here's how good God is. Here's the other problem, several other problems. Um, we have to gather as the church. We can't be a living testimony and the church, the ecclesia, the plurality, if we're not willing to gather. And, and, and not just here, but if you look around the nation and literally around the world, you'll see that the number of people that claim to be Christians Staying the same and growing a little bit, but the number of people joining together to gather as the church, the ecclesia, those called into a public assembly, declining drastically. We can't claim to be a living testimony of this plurality of people if we say, I'm going to sit at home by myself and just read my Bible. And I will say this, not trying to offend anyone if you know people are doing this, but if you're sitting at home by yourself reading your Bible, it's not working because the Bible says you need to come and gather as the body of Christ. So this is why we need to come gather. People sitting at home drawing their own false conclusions about what the word of God says isn't working. It's not a testimony. It's not fulfilling the purpose of the church. Right? Another problem we have is we, don't have to, we have to gather, but we also have to love one another as the church. How many people have heard me say this before? Hopefully every hand is, uh, yeah, good. Over and over and over throughout the Bible, and I will share this again so no one thinks it's just me making it up. This is what Jesus told the apostles. He said, I give you a new commandment. First of all, only God can issue commandments. He says, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So you too should love one another by this, the way that you love one another, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And there's the amplified version because it expands on the language. It's not just, it's not just me saying to, to Adam, Dude, I love you, bro. And then we have an argument and a falling out. 
and I never want to talk to Adam again. That's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, hey, yeah, Adam, I love you, bro, and then we have a falling out. We need to reconcile this because I still love you. Even, even when we don't get along and we need to take some time away from each other, I still love you. And then when we get back together and we can make things work again, I still love you. To keep on showing love amongst yourself. Because people don't just need to hear the folks in the church say, hey, we love one another. They need to see us love one another. Because, and, and I probably shouldn't say this, but it's going to happen anyway. Uh, we all know that we're going to see folks who claim to be Christian going at it over the next couple of months. First, because of Halloween. Oh, you shouldn't celebrate. Oh, you should celebrate. And they're going to go at it. Then because elections are coming up. Oh, you should vote this. Oh, you should vote that. We're going to see that over and over. And even those small contingent of people who I've tried to block as many as possible that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas. I don't have time for those folks. But you're going to see over and over. And if you see it, everyone else in the world sees it. If you see folks arguing about Halloween and about elections and about Christmas and about school boards, everyone else in the world sees it. And if we're arguing and dividing over it, then we definitely are We are not loving one another. So we need to gather as the church to be a witness. We need to love one another as the church. And then we need to tell others about the church, not about the Sunday celebration, not about our denomination, but about the body of Christ, about what God has done for us, about how God has helped us and equipped us. And I get that, again, we, this, is, this is that sharing thing. There are some people who like, I don't like to share anything. I don't like to tell people this. But here, we can't be a living testimony unless you do. So here's the thing. Uh, there, it, I don't remember, I think it was two years ago, we did a whole series on evangelism talking about, you know, just that, how we can um, share about the love of Christ with people, trying to break it down and make it easy. So if you're listening or you're interested, you can go online and look at that because not everyone feels comfortable doing it. I'm an introvert. I don't feel comfortable talking to people, so I got to kind of find what works for me which is why I make so many videos because no one else is in the room and I can just post those online. I had a lady message me uh, last week um, and ask that same question. She said, if I post online that, you know, here's something from the Bible about how God loves you or the fact that, uh, you know, I'm praying for you because this is going on in your life, is that the same? And I was like, 100%. Find the medium that works for you and then share what God has done for you. And I also put, um, for those of you that are interested, you don't even have to pay for it. I wrote a book about it. They're on the back table. Grab one. It's a very short read. I call it a one-bathroom-break read. You can One-bathroom break, and you can finish this book that will equip you. Here's how I can talk to other people about what God has done for me. And then talk to other people who do it and ask them what works for them. So let me, let me break all this down again like Paul said, uh, to make it plain, right? That's why we're doing it. Sesame Street version, here's the mystery. God loves us. 
Us means Jews, Gentiles, butchers, bakers, candlestick makers, uh, people who live in, in, in big rich houses, uh, people who can't afford houses, uh, people who are dealing with addictions, people who have overcome addictions, people who are sitting in prison, people who are sitting on death row, people who are sitting at home alone wondering whether God loves me. God loves every single one of us, and he wants us to tell others about his love. That is the mystery that God has made clear that we are to communicate to everyone we know. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Uh, and as they do, I want to pray because I realize that not, not every person is comfortable talking to other people about what God has done in their life because the moment you start, some people are going to like, ah, I don't want to talk about religion. Some people are going to be like, ah, you're trying to invite me to your, your church building. I don't want to go there. And that's not what we're called to do. Right? If you do that, that's great. What we're called to do is just simply say, and if you don't want to read the book, here's, here's the three steps in the book. First of all, pray about it. Second of all, be willing to acknowledge, here's what God did for me. Third, go out and tell someone. That, that's literally what the book says. That's why it's so short. Because that's what evangelism is. It's just praying, God, you know, lead me to people that I can share that might need to hear what you did for me. Um, actually being willing to share what he did for you, Paul had to share with people that, yeah, some of your friends and your family members, I killed them and put them in jail. That's who I used to be. But he also had to share with them, but here is what God calls us to now. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, and your love. And our prayer today is that we would, again, take the heart the love that you have for us, the death that you were willing to go to show that love to us, and the simple message that you give us to share about that love with folks in our circle of influence. I pray that you would inspire and encourage every single person who hears this message to prayerfully be willing to share what you have done in their life and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you, and God bless.